Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we speak to Leicester and Nigeria striker Kelechi Iheanacho, who could feature for the Foxes in Saturday's FA Cup final against Chelsea. Iheanacho has scored 18 goals in all competitions this season, but before that he had a difficult time when he'd lost his touch and got a lot of criticism from the fans. We hear about how difficult it was for him as a player. Um, it breaks me down because I, I'm a human. Uh, I'm a human being and... Uh, of course, uh, uh, everyone has feelings, so it, it, it breaks me down. That's coming soon. Also, a look at the draw for the qualifiers for the 2022 Africa Women's Cup of Nations. And we focus, too, on the Djibouti champions, AS Arta Sola 7, who signed former West Ham striker Diafra Sacco. But first, the first legs of the quarterfinals of the CAF Champions League are on this weekend, and the standout tie is Mamelodi Sundowns of South Africa up against Al-Ahli of Egypt, with Pizzo Mossimani, the South African, coaching Al-Ahli, and Mossimani is a former Sundowns coach, having won the title with them back in 2016. So it's an intriguing one, this one. There's another South African club in the quarterfinals, that's Kaiser Chiefs, there for the first time. They'll play away to Simba of Tanzania, and the other two... Two ties are all North African. MC Alger of Algeria take on Widad Casablanca of Morocco. And Esperance of Tunisia plays CR Belouzadad of Algeria. And the draw for the qualifiers for the 2022 Africa Women's Cup of Nations was made this week. 44 teams entered. Uh, there was no seeding, so Nigeria played Ghana in the first round next month, although that is a game worthy of being the final itself. Well, the finals are expanded, 12 teams from eight this time around, with Morocco hosting, and uh, it's looking exciting, Ida. Well, I might sound like a bit of a buzzkill here, Steve, but honestly, that first round qualifier um, between Nigeria and Ghana, well, it is a bit of an anticlimax, if you ask me, because look, it's exactly as you've said. I mean, this is material that's worthy of a final. And also with this, then it's assured that one of these giants in the women's game won't be in the finals in Morocco. And to be honest, I'm still, you know, trying to figure out how I really feel about that one. And don't forget that Nigeria are the holders. Uh, but look, maybe all this is a chance for new blood. You know, it's an opportunity for fresh talent. I mean, we already saw how exciting it was for Zambia to qualify for the Olympics. So this might be something similar for new teams. And when it comes to the Auckland, well, the top three teams from the tournament will automatically qualify for the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup. So that must be enticing as well. 44 teams in the qualifiers, Steve, is quite a number because um, that is actually 20 more than the previous edition's preliminaries. So this actually represents well over 70% of women's national teams in the continent. So that must be a good step forward, you know, uh, just in terms of general inclusivity. So I'm just glad that the Africa Women's Cup of Nations is back. It's been a long time coming. 
since the last edition in 2018 with COVID and whatnot. So this is generally very positive. Yes, yeah, so the qualifiers starting next month, and I found it very interesting to see in men's football that the Djibouti champions AS Arta Sola Seven have signed former West Ham striker Diafra Sacco, who we rated as one of the best Africans in the English Premier League some four or five years ago.、Uh, Sacco, who's a former Senegal international, joins former Cameroon internationals Alex Song and Danny Nonker at AS Arta Sola Seven. So,、uh, could we see a club from Djibouti becoming a four? In Africa, Ida. Well, with enough resources and a combination of many other things, Steve, anything is possible. And looking at the Djibouti Premier League, well, it started relatively late, at least、uh, compared to some of the more established leagues in Africa. I mean, it's just over thirty years old compared to some leagues, you know, Steve, which are fifty, sixty plus years old in the continent. And within that period in the Djibouti top flight, well, there were specific years when the league wasn't played. So naturally, because of these and many other reasons,、uh, Djibouti is ranked.、Uh, this is as of the last part of 2020. It was ranked 185th in the world and 51st in Africa. Now the continent has 54 countries, Steve. So clearly. There is some way to go realistically, but it's positive that there is traction in the right way.、Uh, but also, look, there has to be something said for the fact that the league and、uh, specifically the team Arta Sola is attracting all these huge former stars. I mean, there's a reason that, at least within East Africa, that they're not going to Uganda, Tanzania, even with their thriving league. They're not going to Kenya. And also, the club does have the financial backing in terms of、um, stable sponsorship. So, in as much as the players aren't enjoying their previous wage levels, say in the English Premier League, for example, they are living comfortably. One would imagine. And Artesola have recently lifted their first league title in decades. And、uh, they're also getting experience in the calf competitions while at it, Steve. So as I've said, it's definitely forward motion, and it's in the right direction. We'll certainly be following how that project goes with AS Arta Solar Seven in Djibouti. Thanks, Ida. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And the English FA Cup final is on this Saturday with Leicester playing Chelsea at Wembley. Leicester will be looking for another good performance from their Nigerian striker Kelechi Iheanacho, who's one of the best Africans in the Premier League at the moment. But Iheanacho went through a long period where he struggled with his game. And、then he finally started to bang in the goals for the Foxes with 18 goals in all competitions so far this season. Well, Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji spoke to Ian Acho first on those difficult days when he lost his touch, when he was getting a lot of criticism from the fans and got dropped from the Nigeria national team.、Um, obviously, is、uh, it, it, it breaks it, it, it breaks me down.、Um, it breaks me down because I, I'm a human. Uh, I'm a human being, and、uh, of course, uh, uh, everyone has feelings. So it, it, it breaks me down. It breaks me down at that point. But、um, I, I understand. I understand that、uh, people are not God. People are human beings. So it's just like a wave 
whatever the waves takes everybody, then everybody goes. So it's just few people that can understand that life, people can struggle and people can go down. Uh, but, but it's not about going down, it's how you stand up again and again and again when you go down. So few people can understand that. And so I, I, I appreciate uh, the people that, that stood by me, that understand, uh, uh, that understand at, at that time of the year. But, um, but I thank God today, uh, things are falling good. Of course, people will come back and start, and start cheering you up, even people that criticize you. But it's normal. That's life. But people, people can be like that. So I'm not, I can't judge anybody for what they say to me or something according to what they see in the game or what they know. So some people are not close enough. So I don't, I'm not judging anybody. So I'm just trying to do my best and make sure I give my best and have a good career. When you look now, you dance in the dressing room. You and Wilfred, you're entertaining the Leicester dressing room. Vardy is even trying to speak pigeon English. <laughs> what have you guys done? Yeah, um, happiness is free. If you want to be happy, it's free. Uh, but it doesn't mean that you don't have to be serious when you when you're walking. But um, it's just it's just part of me. I, I like to be happy. So when I'm in my when I'm in front of the walk, then I concentrate and walk. Then when I finish my walk, I can be happy as well because this life sometimes you don't have to be too serious to yourself. You understand. So but of course everyone is happy over there. Uh, even uh, Jamie Vardy is a legend in the club. He's he's always um, I'm just cracking him up every time so he's he's happy being around me and Wilfred as well learning pigeon he's he's he's, he's learning pretty well he's understanding some pigeons that we speak so he's, he's very soon now he's, he's gonna be a, he's gonna be an idea very soon <laughs> no, I'm joking um, yeah it's, it's a good atmosphere over there and over here as well when you look at um, your career from Man City to Leicester now and the Super Eagles of Nigeria your mom is always a special person. When you score, you say you point to the sky. How significant is that for you knowing you're scoring and someone is smiling down? Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's part of my life now. So my, my mom is, is, is always, uh, is always beside me. Uh, may I so rest in peace. She, she's always beside me when I, whenever I'm playing, whenever I'm doing anything, I always think of her that she's beside me. Anything I'm doing, whenever I, I score, I point to the sky. Because I know she's somewhere there, so I, I, it's just something, it's just something emotional uh, to, to me and special to me as well. So um, I know, I know she's watching anywhere she is, and she's proud. She will be proud of his son. You're getting very emotional saying this, Kelechi. Um, I know, I know how difficult it is for you. Um, do you wish you had your mom here to celebrate this with you? Um, yes. I, 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 this question is, yeah, I'm getting emotional now, but yeah, I, I wish, I wish I had, I had, I had my mom to celebrate uh, with me because she, he, she, she's, she's one person in my life that, that, she, she's always stood by me all through, she always stood by me all through, so, uh, it breaks my heart when I remember that she's no more, and, uh, uh, She's not even enjoying uh, all these things. Well, um, that's how God wants it, and uh, I know she's in a good place. I know she's smiling wherever she is, and I will always make her proud. You are a proud son. Finally, when you when you think about the way God has guided you in your career and everything, what role does God God plays in your career? God plays in every role in my life. So He's everywhere in my life. He plays in every role in my life. He's everything I've got. So I, 
I'm happy to be called the son of God, and I, I, can, I can do anything for God anywhere, any day, any place. I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to hide it. I love my God. I pray to my God. So, um, of course, other people have different beliefs, but um, I just... I just thank God every day that that keeps me alive, to give me everything that put me in this position. So um, God is everything in my life. So that's Nigeria and Leicester striker Kelechi Iheanacho speaking to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okeleji. And an insight there into the struggles that footballers can go through. And as many countries celebrated Mother's Day last weekend, Iheanacho saying that he feels the pain of not being able to share his success with his mum. And that's a reminder that if we do have a mother who's still around, we should make sure that we love her and honour her. Uh, well, Stuart, we can think of these top players as being highly paid and having an easy life, but uh, they do go through struggles and the criticism from the fans can make it worse, as we heard there. I mean, it's great to see Inacho having such a good season. Remember when he was 19 and 20, he scored 12 league goals for Manchester City plus a hat-trick in the FA Cup, but could never hold down a regular place. He started only 12 games in the league for Manchester City, being a substitute 34 times. And it's been a bit the same when he first came to Leicester, 16 starts compared to 35 sub-appearances in the first two seasons. And, of course, it is very easy to say he's well-paid and very fortunate compared to the rest of society. But if you're a footballer, you want to be playing. When you're scoring goals, it's frustrating not to be given a chance. Social media abuse and pressure are very common for people in the public eye. And I think these days we're much more ready to accept mental pressures on people, even among highly paid footballers. And I'm certainly delighted to see him in double figures for league goals this season, really established in the very good Leicester City team with the cup final and the prospect of Champions League football to come. Yes, it's going to be interesting. Uh, What do you think about Saturday's FA Cup final, Stuart? Uh, Can Iheanacho and Leicester beat Chelsea? Well, we've said many times over the years, Steve, how the FA Cup final has lost its value compared to what it was, say, when you and I were growing up. Arsene Wenger, for example, used to say openly that getting into the Champions League by finishing the top four was more important for him and Arsenal than winning one of the Cups. But this year, I think we have got two clubs who really want to win the Cup. Now, that may seem an odd thing to say, but we've seen examples in previous years of clubs not actually picking their strongest team for the cup final or semi-final because that competition was of lower value to them than some of the others. Chelsea have not won a domestic trophy since the FA Cup in 2018, where Leicester City have never won the cup and were last in the cup final 52 years ago. It's five years since they were league champions and they haven't won anything since. So it would be great for Thomas Tuchel to demonstrate that he's able to win a trophy for Chelsea in his first season and equally for Brendan Rodgers in his second full season. But it couldn't be closer. Look at the league table, third against fourth. I think it's an intriguing game, too close for me to call. 
Yeah, sure, and uh, really looking forward to the game. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA, and our website is planetsport.tv. And in the blog section there, you can read Russ Bravo's blog on why the European Super League would have killed the dream after the recent drama with the European Super League folding a couple of days after it launched. That's on our website, planetsport.tv. You click on the blog section on the right to get there and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs too in our archive uh, to download go to the play store or the apple itunes app store and enter planet sport football africa or to social media now and last week we asked uh, was CAF correct to crack down on stadiums ahead of the world cup qualifiers the confederation of african football decided that 22 countries on the continent have no stadiums that meet their minimum requirements uh, countries that as it stands will have to play home games away from home include the gambia senegal Burkina faso sierra leone liberia mali malawi and namibia well, CAF then decided to postpone the opening qualifiers from June to September, giving the countries three months to sort out their stadiums. So last week we asked, was CAF right to crack down on the state of Africa's stadiums? We had another fascinating response on this topic, and here with the comments is Planet Sport Football Africa's Ifrem Tagu. Uh, thanks, uh, Steve. And on WhatsApp, we uh, begin with Henry Wisdom of Andy Rogers in Sierra Leone, one of the 22 countries deemed by CAF not to have a suitable stadium. Henry says uh, the decision of CAF can be right, uh, but appropriate measures should be put in place uh, to help fund African countries in order for their stadiums uh, to meet the minimum standard requirements. And uh, here's a voice note from Mohammed, uh, who's also in Sierra Leone. I think CAF is right because at the end of the day, it is the safety of the fans and the players also. For example, like my country, Sierra Leone, we only have two stadiums, one in the main capital city here, Freetown, and the other one in the second city, Bo. Our stadium in Freetown deserves to be renovated again or rebuilt all over. Its state is very terrible. And uh, Jesse Rando, also in Sierra Leone, highlights in his voice note many of the issues with the stadiums that he sees need to be improved. Take the Gambia, Burkina Faso, Sierra Leone, Liberia, Malawi, and Namibia. The city is very poor in terms of you know facility. You know, it's the pitch, the stand, the sound system, the scoreboards, the toilet facility. That's the worst. You know, toilet facility, the safety of the fans also, you know, it's not that good. Ricky Ngulube in Zambia believes a CAF should provide some help. Indeed, yes, CAF was right on this one, says Ricky. However, CAF should give its members some kind of help to improve these stadiums rather than just saying we are suspending these matches because most African countries don't have the capacity even to just renovate these stadiums, especially during the current COVID-19 pandemic. I don't see this crackdown yielding anything. Samuel is in Uganda. I believe CAF was right to postpone the World Cup qualifiers because in some countries their stadiums are not up to good standards. So in this period of three months they will be able to renovate.
And uh, here's a view now from uh, Ansu Mana Dabo in uh, the Gambia, another of the uh, countries that failed CAF's suitability list. As far as I am concerned, says Ansu Mana, uh, CAF is not wrong to crack down like that. I believe it is uh, for the best interest and the safety of anyone uh, who goes to watch games. In my country, the Gambia, our stadium may not be safe to fill it with people, uh, so it is important for the conditions of the stadiums to be improved uh, so they are fit for purpose. Uh, to Ghana now, and Stephen Jr. believes CAF made a mistake in switching home ties for the World Cup qualifiers. I think CAF wasn't right, says Stephen. Countries may not have time to upgrade the stadiums in three months. Now, here's another voice note from Lamin Federa in the Gambia, and he believes CAF need to do more than just insist on better stadiums. The minimum standard they are looking for to see stadiums adjust their condition, I think is fundamental. But what is more fundamental is that let them also, you know, engage the various government that owns these stadiums because the quality standard of football also need to be showcased and the quality of the stadium cannot be in any way good if the standards are not met. So Lamina is saying that CAF needs to engage with the governments as well as national associations to ensure that the minimum standards are met. And Abu Bakr Keita Kembuje, also in the Gambia, sees another major hurdle to overcome. Of course, CAF have all the right to crack down some of the stadiums, says Abu Bakr. But the problem of corruption is still there in some of our federations. Another issue facing some uh, countries uh, is highlighted by Emma in the Gambia. It's not good for CAF to make this statement about stadiums, says Emma, because in Africa, most countries here are very poor, just like my country, and building good quality structures is not always possible. And finally, today we'll hear from Abolong Badi, who's also in the Gambia, one of the 22 countries that CAF has said needs to upgrade its stadium. I'm so disappointed at hearing about the postponement of the opening World Cup qualifiers, says Bolong. Having just three months to sort things out is not long. This should have been foreseen much earlier on, as good infrastructures have long been a problem in Africa, if it is at all manageable. I advise that the decision should be reversed for the betterment of the game. So then, Steve, it seems that our correspondents this week generally accept that stadium facilities need to be improved for health and safety and to improve the standards of the teams. But questions remain on how this will be funded, with the specter of corruption in the background still a concern for many. Well, thanks, Ephraim. That's the Planet Sport Football Africa's Ephraim Tagu. Thanks for all of those perspectives from the continent. Um, very interesting. And uh, here in Zimbabwe, we were very fortunate to avoid a stadium ban. Our national stadium needs the bucket seats to be installed. Uh, they haven't been put as yet, but uh, as the games will be played in empty stadiums as it stands, uh, we got away with it. Well, thanks to everyone who got in touch and this week on social media asking, who do you think has been the best African player in the English Premier League? this season. The season is drawing to a close, ending next weekend. So who do you think has been the best African player this season? And overall, how much of an impact do you think that African players had in the Premier League this season? 
So we heard earlier from Kelechi Iheanacho, who's done really well of late at Leicester. Liverpool's Mohamed Salah is second on the league scoring charts with 20 goals, despite Liverpool's below par season. Uh, Riyad Mahrez is impressed of late at Manchester City. Uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, 10 goals at Arsenal, uh, rather low maybe by his own standards. Edward Mendy playing in goal for Chelsea. Uh, the Senegalese doing well. And Yves Bissouma of Brighton, their defensive midfielder, is very much sought after by other clubs after a really impressive season. So those are some ideas. Maybe you think someone else has been the best African player in the Premier League this season. You can post a message on our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Who do you think has been the best African player in the Premier League this season? And also, how much of an impact do you think the African players had in the Premier League this season? Was it a good one for African players? Let's go back to Stuart Weir in the UK now. And with three games to go, Stuart, Man City the champions already. So Manchester City are Premier League champions and are likely to finish with a margin of at least 10 points ahead of the rest. You may recall, Steve, that City were my tip to be the champions at the beginning of the season. While I may feel smug now, the prediction didn't look great in the middle of December, when City were drawing 1-1 with West Bromwich Albion to drop to ninth in the league table, with Liverpool moving to the top. But following that game in December, City won 21 games in succession in all competitions, which ironically coincided with Liverpool losing 6 out of 11 league games to drop out of the title race. The transformation from Manchester City's first half to their second half of the season has been extraordinary. Don't forget, at the end of last season, they lost established players like uh, David Silva, Nicolas Okamendi, Leroy Sané, three players with 19 years' experience of the Premier League between them. And Pep Guardiola's contract was expiring at the end of the season, and the word in the street was that he would leave. But there have been a number of factors to explain City's transformation. Guardiola signed a new contract. Kevin De Bruyne committed his future to City and has been in outstanding form. Apparently, Fernandinho called a meeting of players with no coaches present and told his teammates that mid-table just wasn't good enough and they should really get on with it. City were conceding too many goals and injuries and frustration with defenders caused Guardiola to put John Stones and Ruben Diaz together in the back four. Now, Stones had been out of favour and was likely to be sold. Diaz was arguably the third choice in his position. But that pairing worked wonders for City. And the 24 games that those two played together at the back, City conceded only seven goals. And an added bonus was John Stone scoring five goals, two of the match winners. The manner of City becoming champions was unsatisfactory. Manchester United's home defeat to Leicester City on Tuesday meant that they could no longer catch City's points total. This was unsatisfactory in the sense that the postponement of their game against Liverpool left Manchester United playing Premier League games on Sunday, Tuesday and Thursday this week. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer said he had no choice but to make 10 changes from the starting 11 from Sunday to Tuesday, meaning that Leicester were effectively beating the Manchester United reserves. And that seemed unfair too on Chelsea, West Ham and Liverpool who are battling Leicester for Champions League places. 
One bright thing about the Manchester United team against Leicester was that it included two African teenagers. The Ivorian Amando Diallo, signed from Atlanta in January, and Anthony Alenga, born in Sweden, but his father is Joseph Alenga, the Cameroon international, who was playing in Sweden at the time. Both were getting their first Premier League start. Alanga was the 14th Manchester United Academy player to be selected by Solskjaer during the time he's been manager. Great to see Manchester United continuing the tradition of selecting young players. Yes, and we'll see if Anthony Alanga might commit to Cameroon in the future. And to Stuart, what did you make of Chelsea's dramatic win over Man City last weekend in a dress rehearsal for the Champions League final? Well, Chelsea came from behind to beat Manchester City at the Etihad with Hakim Ziyech scoring again. Now, the Moroccan seems to like playing against Manchester City because it was he who scored in the FA Cup semi-final. Now, the fact that Chelsea have beaten City twice in the past month must give them added confidence going into the Champions League final. But realistically, neither side was choosing their strongest team for the league game last Saturday, so it won't have that much relevance. One thing which caught my eye was Sergio Aguero has scored 182 league goals from Manchester City, which is one less than Wayne Rooney's record of Premier League goals for one club. And Aguero had the chance to equal Rooney's record when he took a penalty for City. However, his attempted Panenka penalty, you know, the dink down the middle of the goal, went straight at Chelsea's Senegalese goalkeeper, Monday. Yes, a terrible penalty that was by Aguero. Uh, thanks, Stuart. A great two to see Ivory Coast defender Sol Bamba playing as a sub for Cardiff in the Championship. A couple of weeks ago on the show, we talked about him fighting cancer. Well, that's it for the show for this week. Our social media question, who do you think has been the best African player in the English Premier League this season? You can post a message on our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. From me, Steve Vickers and Ephraim Tagu in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, and Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.